0: good to see him again. Yeah. All right, good morning, folks. Uh, Let's stand. We're going to sing His Way With Thee this morning, then we'll take up our morning offering. It's 185 in the hymnal, if you wanted to look in the hymnal. His Way With Thee. live for jesus and be always pure and good would you walk with him within the narrow road would you have him bear your burden carry all your load? let him have his way with thee his power can make you what you ought to be his blood can cleanse your heart and make you free his love can fill your Follow at his call would you know the peace that comes by giving all would you have him save you so that you can never fall let him have his way with thee his power can make you what you ought to be his blood can cleanse your heart and make you free his love can fill your soul and you kingdom find a place of constant rest? Would you prove him true in providential tests? Would you in his service labor always at your best? Let him have his way with you. His power can make you what you ought to Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll receive the morning offering. Brother David, would you lead us, please? Father, oh, yeah. we thank you for this morning, Father. Father, we just ask you to bless this offering, Father. Bless our services and our speakers today, Father. Father, I just ask the people, each and every one that are on our prayer list, just God direct there, Father. And just God direct today and bless in Christ's name, Amen. 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 The streets of the dew, the stools are silent. Time to harvest wheat. Good
1: morning, brother. Thank you, brother. Good morning to you, too. Thank you for that, Martha. I appreciate it. Good morning, folks. Hope you all are doing good today. See what's up on the uh, on the screen up there, right? Lesson twenty eight. Can you believe that we're at lesson twenty? This is the end of the lessons. This is all she wrote for us here. So um, unfortunately, I found out this morning that uh, Pastor told me I've been teaching the wrong lesson. I haven't even—we're not even supposed to be in this study, so we got to start all over again with another <laughs> 28 lesson plan here. So, um, you know, I was—I was thinking on the way in here and listening to uh, listening to little preaching and stuff on the radio, and. Uh, this guy was talking about these these couple of uh, a garden, you know, people that were running a garden out there. Now, how many folks in here are gardeners? I'm not a gardener. Got a few gardeners in here. My wife, she can drive by a nursery and the, and the plants die as we're driving by. <laughs> so she is not got a green thumb. Her mother, or her mom, my mother-in-law does. She's been very successful with that. But, you know, this guy was, was talking about how these people would go out and they'd they'd get the best soil and the best seeds and they'd plant it and they'd water it, kind of look over it a little bit. But then they let the thing just kind of go on its own. And then when it came harvest time, they go out there and they find the insects have gotten it and what little bit of fruit they might have had there had been eaten up by the rodents or, you know, this sort of thing. And he says, so they tried it again the next year, kind of with the same results, but maybe a little bit more... uh, you know, attention paid to it and what have you. And then he says they finally figured out how to do it. Third year comes along and and probably this is the reason why I don't like gardening. I, I guess I like gardening. I like eating stuff that comes out of gardening, but I don't like doing gardening. We've tried that before. And um, but anyway, he he mentions in there, he says something along the lines of they found out it required attention every day. Got to go out there and weed it. You got to go out there and kill the bugs that are around it. You got to go out there and just deal with this thing. I guess you turn the dirt, up. whatever you do to make a garden. And then that third time they tried this, then they got some, they yielded a very prosperous uh, fruit out of it, you know. And so this was not uh, gardening with Neil Sperry or anything. It was a gospel station. So he parlayed that into how we need to deal with our Christian lives. You know, we've got this Christian garden that we're growing, and man, through studying the Bible, listening to the preaching, talking to people, being around other saints that edify you and lift you up and can encourage you along these lines, that's how we get a good harvest out of our Christian faith. And I just thought that was really cool. And then, of course, you know, I thought, wow, I've had this opportunity here to teach this class now for I think we're coming up probably pretty close to a year of doing this. I I haven't gone back and added it all up or anything. But here's what I know for certain. Um, I have been a born-again, Bible-believing Christian since uh, April 12th of 1998 was when Patty and I both got saved, and uh, um, it has only been through this study and, and looking into this stuff. That I have developed this just wonderful appetite for the Bible and for the Scripture, and I never ever really did that much. I'd read my Bible. I've read it a few times over the years and stuff. But uh, right now we're doing something interesting. We're listening to the Bible through through this year is how we're is how we're doing it. And uh, I'll tell you, you just it's amazing when you start attending to this faith of ours on a daily basis. What kind of a difference it makes in your life and how you feel about things, and particularly your perspective on on things. You know, we're talking about end time stuff here and all of this Bible study right now and how this is all going to pan out. And I'll tell you, we've got this little tiny bit of life on this earth, right? It's but a vapor. It's only here for a little while and it goes away. And then you've got eternity to deal with after that. And that is, we can say, you know, it's forever and ever and ever, but that's, you can't, see you can't quantify in your head what that actually means forever and ever you know people say yeah you could send a rocket out into space and it'll just keep going it you know it never gets anywhere and all that to me you know nasa guys they may be able to sit down and kind of have a little understanding about that maybe but uh, this whole concept of god was here forever never had a beginning Never going to have an end, and we're never going to have an end once we get done with this life on Earth. I, I can't, my head can't wrap myself around that. But I do know this, that it is much, much wiser and better to invest in the longevity side of this thing than it is to invest in what we have here on this Earth right now. This is temporary. It goes away someday. The uh, Bible says you never came, you came into this earth or world with nothing, and it's certain you can't carry anything out of it, right? And so um, I remember years ago preaching a little message about, and, and I don't know how this happened. Um, I think the result of the thing, if I'm looking back on it right, was pretty, it was a disaster, I think would probably be <laughs> a good way for me to describe it. But my pastor of our old church, years ago, he says, hey, I want you to preach on Sunday morning. We had, at the time, we had about 150 people in his church. And and I said, okay. And I had preached before uh, in, in there a couple of times, but uh, again, I'm not trained on it. And then I, and he says, I want you to preach on tithing. You want me to preach on tithing? Yikes. Wow, that's a, uh, that's a uh, difficult subject for a guest preacher, particularly somebody like me. I was a fairly young Christian and all that kind of stuff. But I sat out and, and wrote myself out a lesson plan and, and all this kind of stuff. If I'm not mistaken, at the end of that, and now this is the truth, at the end of that, there was a church split. <laughs> all right? And, and that's why I say it was a kind of a disaster. And, and so I felt bad about it. And the pastor says, no, you did, you did good. You, you did it right. And uh, um, I said, well, I don't, I don't see how that was right. And, and uh, I said I was sincere. I, I think what I said was scriptural. I think what I, how I brought it up and everything was like it should have been. But anyway, it was, uh, it was a, a weeding out, so to speak, of some people that maybe didn't have exactly the best intentions there and just a bunch of stuff. It was, the church was going through some very hard times at the time, and, and so um, anyway, There was one of the things in there we were talking about wealth and people and, you know, the money that you have and all this kind of stuff. And and, uh, as one of these very rich people's funerals, one of the guys comments, well, how much how much did he leave behind? You know, kind of referring to the will and everything. And one of the believers said he left everything behind. He left all of it behind because you don't take any of it with you concentrate, focus on what's to come and in lesson 28 here we're getting into this whole issue about what we're what we're gonna uh, you know be looking at down the road here just a little bit. So last week as I was finishing up we were kind of talking a little bit about the Battle of Armageddon and how that was going to go, and I didn't quite get to finish up that, so we'll recap on last week just a little tiny bit, and then we'll then we'll get on with the uh, with the lesson here and i'll let you know a little bit about about that. so Father, we come before you here this morning, and we just put our time in front of you, Lord, that you would bless our time of study here today, that we would receive something from your word, be with me as I speak this morning, be with the Congregants here, it's their heart and mind would be open to what's going on here. And uh, Father, we just ask that you would make things clear to us this morning because it's a difficult subject. We love you, thank you, and praise you in advance for all your blessings. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week we had we had just kind of finished up on that on that uh, battle of Armageddon, and I was talking to you about the, or actually maybe reading a little bit of stuff from Doctor David Jeremiah. That I had in the back end of this in the back end of this lesson plan here, and so where I got with that was just we had just kind of started off on that a little bit because we ran out of I think the second bell rang or something anyways um, uh, it's it's talking about in the book of Revelation here what they've seen, in particularly in book of Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Now I saw heaven open, behold a white horse, and we talked about that. and Read down through, uh, he would have on his robe and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's Jesus coming in here. It says, nowhere else in the Bible do we find Jesus described with such might and power. At his first coming, our Savior took on the role of a suffering servant who sympathized with our weakness. When he returns, Christ will appear as a mighty warrior and king. He will defend his people and forever destroy evil. We kind of mentioned something about the fact that we are in a battle of good and evil right now. There's just no two ways about it. The stuff that you see, the stuff that goes on out here. I think um, I don't know if I mentioned last week or not, but somebody was was telling me, or maybe I heard out there in California, they wrote this. They wrote this law. All into place now that, you know, if a child comes to you and says, hey, I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl, and the mom and the dad kind of start saying something like, uh, well, you know what? Mm, you're a boy. Take a look between your legs here a little bit. This is what you are. This is how we describe this, all these sort of things. Um, that that child, if the parents try to do anything to persuade him about the biology, about the reality of these things, particularly about biblical, the way the Bible talks about these, that that child can actually be taken away from those parents and, and kind of put into the you know, hey, we want you to get in the right frame of mind. There's all this stuff about, you know, you use pronouns to describe people, and people don't know if they're boys or girls and all. How in the world can anything? That simple and basic get confounded. Well, it's evil. That's how it gets confounded. It's just Satan getting his foot in the door on some stuff. Um, Brother Hoots and I were talking about that just a little bit this morning before we started up here. And glad to see him back in here. And and I I asked, I I didn't see that his walker was parked over there. I missed it. And I said, you didn't walk in here from that parking lot without that (laughs) walker. He says, no, no, I'm trying to abide by the thing. And then he started telling me about the Lord is getting him through this mess and everything. And you know what else he said? He said the unity of this church is getting him through these problems that he has and the difficulties and the prayers and the letters and the people visiting and all this kind of stuff. I'll tell you what, folks. We have got a—I'm not, I'm not that steeped in this. I mean, this is, you know, like the third church or something we've been members in due to moving around and everything. But there is something special about this Bible Baptist Church here in Bridgeport and and, and I, it's God. It's He's got this thing and he's blessing it and he's keeping the thing like it's supposed to be. Talk about a New Testament church. This is the way things are supposed to be. We have some difficulties here and there and they get worked out. They, they get talked about and they get straightened around and then you just go right back to focusing and praising God and learning all about Jesus. So anyways, I um, Jesus will not return alone, verse 14 says, and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on a white horse. So there's some stuff there about that. And we get down here into the, into the Bible itself then. The adversaries, the Antichrist, the false prophet and their followers, I saw the beast, king of the earth, and their armies gathered together. We make war against him. The Antichrist will unite the world during the tribulation. We talked about maybe that pact that he makes with Israel. Remember, Israel goes through and they decide that, well, the answer to all of our troubles here is this person now that has come along. We didn't even, at that point, we don't even know who this person is. Um, This person comes along and, hey, we can take care of all all your troubles and everything. The Antichrist will unite the world during the tribulation period. Those who bear his mark and worship him will join his army to battle against the Lord. Evil will make its final stand against the Lord and all that is good. Boy, this—they don't—they don't like good stuff. They don't like right from wrong. They don't like the truth about things. You know, there are people. We used to joke around that there's folks that will. Uh, that will complain and have an idea or a different opinion about something and then there's the people that just complain about everything and then uh, the joke was always yeah that person right there you give him a bag of gold and he'll complain about how heavy it is you know and, and so there's just all these different ideas and satan sees that he walks around on this earth seeking who he's going to devour and he gets a hold of those kind of people like that and that's the other side of the equation here the only way that it's not us that are getting into that side of the equation is because we have the scripture. We have our faith. We know what the truth of the matter is. People say, yeah, I know. I read back in the back end of the book there, and so I know what happens. We win the war and stuff, but man, I'll tell you what, that's not time for us to, to settle down on this. It's time for us to be in church more often, be witnessing to people more often, taking a look at things, letting our light shine before men so that they can understand where we're coming from about these, about these sort of things. Anyways, um, uh, the Antichrist will fight with all the strength of Satan and his evil ones, but they will be no match for King Jesus. Yes, we know that. Amen. As the battle begins, an angel will cry out to the birds in the air, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. Well, that's a nice, uh, that's a nice uh, uh, invitation to a banquet, right? These people are all going to be laying out there and the birds are going to come and, and deal with them. There's going to be a disposal there that's going to be like nothing we've ever we've ever seen and there's some comment about how this is all going to look in in the rest of this story that I'm reading here you know God has uh God has set out to have his kingdom and his creation here do different things and it's amazing to watch what's going on here as as everybody probably knows we moved down here from Ohio and there's all stuff in Texas that we're not really really that familiar with I have killed now 5 armadillos. I never dreamed in my life I would ever I would ever even see an armadillo, let alone be out in my front yard shooting them or backyard shooting them or something and there that's an interesting that's an interesting animal to kill. Boy, they just do all kinds of weird stuff. But uh, uh, the spiders, the insects, all these different things here. I've seen stuff that I never even knew existed. So I have to go look them up. What in the world is that thing? Oh, okay, Jeff, you should not have been letting that crawl because that's a deadly bug or whatever, you know? So anyway, we got right now on our uh, big window that goes out of our kitchen, there's a spider about this big. and. Uh, I had a guy come over and look at it, and he told me, that's actually a really good spider. It's got these little zipper things on it that, okay, so some people, they're shaking their head, yeah, I know about the zipper spider. And I may have seen one of those things before, but I got the idea of uh, throwing a grasshopper in there and seeing what happened, you know? Boy, I'll tell you, that was really neat. So I've thrown a whole bunch of grasshoppers in there now. (laughs) That little guy has been eaten. He has been called to a feast because of me and that little now now there was something about that I threw one one kind of a grasshopper in there that I didn't even know what kind of a grasshopper it was it kind of looked weird to me it was like a white grasshopper with black zebra looking stripes on it I know it was a grasshopper because it was out there with all the rest of the grasshoppers flying around and everything and I threw that in and that spider went the other direction it it didn't want to have anything to do with that grasshopper so I'm not sure now I went in there and I provoked the grasshopper a little bit and then it finally came down there and and uh, spun its web on it and everything, and I was fascinated again by what went on there. But God has this creation. He has all of this, and he's got it figured out. He knows exactly what's going to happen, and so I'm not sure exactly how the birds are going to be eating all these kings and judges and all these other people, but God knows, and it would probably be pretty interesting to sit there and, and watch that if you're fascinated by that sort of thing. But uh, the Antichrist and his false prophet will be captured and cast into the lake of fire with only the power of his words. Jesus will kill everyone that remains. It will be the bloodiest battle in history. Right now, the bloodiest battles in history is World War I and World War II, and we'll do a little comparative analysis about that here in just a minute. The victor and his names are unscathed, but the bloodshed from the Antichrist army will cover a 200-mile area and reach a depth of approximately four feet deep. The blood, four feet deep. Think about that. That's a lot of blood. Boy, when I go and give a vial of blood for a blood test, that looks to me like a lot of blood. But it's not four feet deep, and it's only a little tiny bit that they have uh, taken out of me there. Purpose of the battle. God could destroy evil in any way he chooses, so why will he end in a bloody battle? First, Armageddon will conclude Jesus' judgment upon Israel. It's the end of something. He's got this planned out. It has to go as planned here. Throughout the tribulation, God will pour out his wrath against the people of Israel for rejecting their Messiah. Having failed to heed God's warnings and prior judgments, Israel will experience a period referred to as the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 30, uh, verse 7. Second, Armageddon will mark the final judgment upon Israel's persecutors. With all the hostile nations of the world gathered together in the battle of Armageddon, in the valley of Jehoshaphat, God will deal with them Finally and decisively, there won't be any. There won't be any. You know, coming back from the dead or any of this kind of stuff. And so, um, there's this. When it's over, it's just like Christ dying on the cross. It's finished. Not anything else that has to be done. Not any of this. You just. It's. It's over with. All right. I will also gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into the judgment. This is the scripture that talks about that. Finally, Armageddon will constitute a formal judgment of all people who have rejected him. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that it should be in the nations, and he himself will rule with the rod of iron. Those who who pursue ungodly goals tend to miss God's warnings. Because the Lord is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, second peter three nine some people assume he will never judge them, but be assured a day will come when Christ Jesus will judge each person's deeds accordingly. One of these days, God will have had enough, and his judgment will pour down like a consuming fire against wickedness in the earth's final battle. It's so always said that God is long suffering, but here at some point, the long suffering is over. He gets to where he 's had enough there is during the during the uh, t- time of tribulation there is definitely a timeline in the last three and a half years that this thing has to has to take place can't know when any of it's going to come but we can certainly know the season and when you look at the season with any kind of a an open perspective on it you just look at this and you go man this thing has got to be coming to a close here fairly shortly there you know 10 15 20 years whatever um, but there are things happening on this earth right now, that are leading towards exactly what is described in the book of Revelation here. So, anyways, enough of that on the battle of Armageddon. Now we can get on with today's lesson. Anybody have any questions, comments, concerns about any of that stuff from last week and, and in what I just got through looking at there a little bit? Well, all right. That's good. That always makes me feel good when there's, when there's no questions because that demonstrates a total, first of all, an excellent teacher, right? And then a total, total understanding from the, uh, from the students. So we'll see at the end of this when we hand out. I've got about a 25-page written test that I'm going to give at the end of this. And we'll see how much we remember from lesson 1 through lesson 28 here. Anyways, <laughs> uh, what's that now? An open book test, that's correct, yep. I was always happy in school when they said, this is gonna be an open book test. (laughs) And even then I flunked them, So because I didn't know how to use the book that that, well. Anyways, (laughs) all right. So um, in the back end of the thing here, the, and we've already talked about this a little bit, but the last page of your, of your lesson there is uh, that diagram, that thing that you can look in to see the timeline, and we've already commented about that. For those that don't know about that thing, well, it's back there, and all the letters that are above each of those things, or maybe you weren't in here the day that this got explained, the letters correspond with the spot in the actual lesson that we're talking about where those things could happen. Some of them are brackets where a bunch of stuff is happening inside of, the, of a you know, certain period of time here. To, so anyway, it says to help us see a clear picture of God's timetable of future events, we'll be utilizing the diagram back in the back. And then it says this right here, this diagram is not to scale. And that is a, very important to notate that, all right? So it's not to scale. Uh, there are much more exhaustive timetables available, but we wanna see the major events in a simple to understand way. So when you look at these timetables, man, you can go out there and you can find whole books written about this with fold-out charts, and this is gonna happen, and this person's gonna be here with all the scripture and everything. That, that could be a year-long re- lesson just in and of itself, just kind of reading about how all that's gonna get, get done. As you go through these things, you sit here and you remember this. It comes to my mind when I'm doing this, the, the, I don't know exactly where in the scripture it says this, but somebody says, if, if we'd have wrote down everything Jesus did while he was on this earth, the earth couldn't contain all the books he wrote. And boy, the more I look at this, the more I think, wow, I, I can't contain what he did in like one verse or something. You know, because there's just so many things here that go on with, with uh, Christ when he was involved here. Um, the letters on the diagram will correlate to the major points of this lesson and that's by the, by the, uh, the letter designated with it here. So right now we're on letter M, the uh, Judgment Seat of Christ or the Bema Seat of Christ is what, uh, is what the lesson plan titles this. This is not a judgment of the lost, but a judgment of the saved. We already, we already passed our, our entrance into heaven exam, right? By faith, we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and said, I believe, I believe that he's the son of God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead on the third day. So we're saved according to, um, uh, not, not of the lost, we are judged according to our works, not for salvation during our lives, our works during our lives. Now, anytime that you hear the word works come up, as we've talked about a million times, you don't ever wanna get that confused in a conversation with somebody. And it'll be an objection that you hear from people if you go around and you're witnessing to them or something like that. You'll go, well, I thought you said you didn't have to do anything, but now it's talking about you have these works and what have you. Well, Christians, when we get, when, when we get to this judgment seat, we have a either well done, my good and faithful servant, welcome aboard, or, Hey, you made it in here by the skin of your teeth, but you're here anyway. All right, and and so, we have everybody has goals and desires and what they want to what they want to do with their life and different things that that cause you to do certain things and hopefully those things are all judged by the Holy Spirit and there's some there's some issues about the the crowns the rewards that you'll get there based on you know how well did you how well did you do and how well did you rely on your faith and how well did you rely on the Holy Spirit's guidance uh, through this if you're doing things of your own. Um, uh, motivation in looking into it but it actually is in line with the scripture witnessing and that sort of thing in particular uh, then there's a reward for that but boy there's a better reward if you're the kind of person that while the Holy Spirit has just prompted me to do this I really need to go over here and 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 deal with this at this time that's how this thing sort of works here so and then it talks about these five crowns there's five different crowns mentioned in the scripture Um, the, uh, the incorruptible crown, and they titled that in the lesson here a victor's crown. And that's in, um, that's in 1 Corinthians nine twenty five, and I'll just read this from, from uh, starting in verse 24 and go down through verse 27. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? Don't you know that that is the case? There's one winner in this thing. So run that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. We've talked about this, and maybe even preacher talked about that. You get to where you're good at some things in your life, that will parlay over or carry over into your Christian faith. And certainly if you're diligent in your Christian faith and you're paying attention to those things and studying for it and understanding what's going on with it, that can naturally parlay over into your regular day-to-day life here. Now, they that do it obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as the one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So um, this is all, it's, it's kind of comparing how we do things here in our Christian faith to, to uh, athletic stuff and how you run a race and, and all these sorts of things. And it is at the end, Paul says, I've, I've won the race. I'm done with this thing. I've fought the good fight. I've tried to be, be good at this and everything. So. Then, it goes in here, and it says, um, uh, the the next one here they talk about is the crown of rejoicing, and they they refer to that in the lesson as a soul winner's crown, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. And uh, what it says here is, For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are all glory and joy. And then, a crown of righteousness. Those who love his appearing. 2 Timothy 4.8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not only to me, but unto all that love his appearing. Love his appearing. So, there are people right now that are in our lives, and that we talk to, work with, maybe we live with. You, you never know where these things come up that don't love the appearing of Jesus. They don't love anything about, uh, they don't love anything about Jesus. At the end, there are going to be people that are very happy that they know Jesus. And then there's going to be other people that are going to come. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, that are going to look at this and say, wow, I really, really missed the boat because that really is the Christ. That really is the Messiah. This is who we should have put our faith and trust in all along here. And so uh, not everybody's going to love the, the appearing of, of God here. The crown of glory. And they title that in this message here, or in this lesson here, a, um, an elder's crown. 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4. And I've got it here. Um, I'm going to read... 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. The elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind neither as beings lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and to be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. First Peter 1, 5, 1-5. So there is a... Uh, there's a certain level of this where you've got you've got older saints in the church, some of them running the churches, all these sort of things those kind of folks they want, they want they're going to have a certain crown here they're going to be blessed because of the of their faithfulness to it and we can share in that just because of our faithfulness in the way that we run our daily lives here and in, in how we how we look at things yeah, I was reading a um, I was reading a little story this morning and this was talking, this is in this book that we're going to teach out of, it was talk, on our, on our next lesson, it was talking about um, objections that you're going to have to people uh, when you're witnessing to them and you're, and you're trying to talk to them. And most of them are things that you just hear every time. I mean, you talk to 10 different people, probably 10 different people are going to have the same objection to knowing about Christ or about being saved or whatever. And what this guy was talking about was uh, when he got into these other objections, he said, another objection that you're going to frequently hear is, oh, I've been so bad that there's no way that God could ever save somebody like me. Well, we know about people in the Bible that had direct interaction with Jesus that were pretty, pretty seriously bad. And this story is about a young lady that came into the church who knew all about God, Actually, had even known about Jesus a little bit, and even understood about the whole article of salvation, but had no idea that God was a gracious and kind enough God, and that He could absolve any sin, and that there wasn't anything that He could do that, or that you could do that was that was bad. And so, this girl, uh, she came in there. She was, she had been married three times in the. Two or three children she had didn't have, uh, the, the fathers were none of the people that she was married to. They were all from just all over the place. She had been into drugs, just uh, you, you name it, prostitute. you name it, and this lady had been into it and she just could not understand how a God could ever possibly have anything to do with somebody like this. And so what happened in that church that she was in was there were four women, in that church that started ministering to this young lady and, uh, um, you know, praying with her, encouraging her, showing her scripture in the Bible about, see, you're not so bad. Take a look at, take look at what these people were doing back then and look at the way God used them and all this kind of stuff. So um, one, one thing about this, when she was asked early on in her, in her uh, questioning before she started to come to that church was the pastor of the church asked her, are you a Christian? And she gave this answer, I'm pretty sure that I'm not a Christian. Wow, that's a different answer. <laughs> most, people, most people either yeah, yeah, no, or whatever, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. And so when he gave that answer, now she comes back after several months of this ministering with these four women in the church. And you, you ladies, it's so, it's so important that you take this role with young ladies that come into this church and set an example for these folks because it is, it, it, it's just a beautiful thing what happened here with this. She, she came into church one day and went up to the pastor and said, Okay, I'm a Christian. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell me about that, you know. And she says, um, I know all about it and I knew about it ahead of time. But these four women in this church that have not given up on me, they have prayed with me. They have shown me in scripture, they have taken me over and over and over again. Time and just spent hours talking about the Lord with me. She says, I get it now. I totally understand. So it was their actions more than more than just, you know, saying, Hey, by the way, you need to know Christ as your Savior. Have a great day. See you later. You don't want to be like that. But in this particular case, there were these those are to me, those are crowns of righteousness, crowns of elders, crowns of people that sit here and, and take a, a particular interest in another human being to make sure that one more soul ends up in heaven. You know, they, they, just, they you just look at these things and, and you go, wow, I've done all of these different things. And I'm battered. I'm beaten. I've had a really really bad day and this whole going to this church This is just a waste of time. I don't want anything to do with this anymore And you can have a mindset like that And then you come along and you find out one person because of what's going on in the church that may even have trouble Comes to to the knowledge of Christ and get saved. It's it's worth it It's just worth having all the all whatever you have to do. It's it's worth it at the end so Anyways, um, all right, we'll, we'll go on to the next thing here. And this is the, the fifth one of these things here, the crown of life, a martyr's crown. Revelation 2.10 talks about this right here, speaks to it. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou fearful, be thou be thou, fearful. be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So faithfulness comes into, uh, into uh, practice here with this thing. And I'll tell you what, there's coming a time, there's definitely coming a time here, where we are going to have to stand in front of somebody, either one guy or a whole council of people or something, where the only thing that we're going to be able to rely on is the Holy Spirit and our faith. To get us through whatever trial that we're that is getting presented to us. It's not long down the road here folks before that's coming to a street corner near you I mean, the things are just it's, it's all over the all over the world right now and uh, it's it's just imminent that's all there that's really all there is to it. Anyways all right we'll keep going here on this. All right, over here at 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11, this is kind of a lengthy read here. We're gonna look into it here just a little bit though. It says, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest into your consciences. So we had this here issue about something being good or bad. It's easy when you look at your life and you can go back and you can figure out the, what the good things are. And in a lot of cases, you can figure out what the bad things are. And those the, the bad things are called sins. And now, back a little while ago, we were talking about these, about these sins. And there were sins of commission and sins of omission. So now you're a Christian and you're, you're going through your life and what have you. And you do some things that aren't exactly right. Yeah, that's a, that's a bad thing. But that may not necessarily... Come in here and adjust with what you're doing as far as any of these crowns or anything that you'll end up with. The reward that you get at the end of this, this process, all right? But here's a bad thing that will get you into some trouble with that, that you can, you can count as loss. If you're prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something, and you know that you really ought to be doing that, and then you still go down that direction, that's, what's, that's what they're referring to here as a bad thing. You don't, you, don't wanna, you don't wanna do that. God will actually, when it comes to the rewards, he'll actually count that against you a little bit. There's, it, it talks in these different commentaries and stuff that I've, I've looked into here, that you can count that as a, as a loss on your side. And so the example that I tell people, and I, I, I literally, I think about it every day. I had this opportunity to witness to a guy that had just been taken into a hospice bed. I put it off for a minute, then I changed my mind and I went back, I never could get to the guy. You know, I'm certain the guy died within a day or two of, of us, you know, being over there. And I know that I'm going to have to answer for that because I did not do promptly. I let his daughter basically reject the gospel for that man. And that's that's not really the right thing to do. And I get it. And I got it back then. And it just, it just is not how it's supposed to do. So that will be a bad thing that I'm going to personally have to account for along with some other bad things but all the bad things that i do in this fleshly body of mine that's all forgiven that's done with it's taken care of anyways um all right first corinthians 4 5 therefore judge nothing before the time until the lord come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart and then shall every man have praise of god all right that's in 1 Corinthians 4 or 5. Uh, then, next here, it, uh, it speaks to how we start looking at our standing here when it comes to the rest of the playing team, right? And here's what the book of Romans says about this. Romans 14, 10 through 12, it says, But while dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now everybody knows that uh, when there's a whole classroom full of little kids and the whole classroom's in disorder and the teacher walks back in and it's like, all right, Johnny, you were doing this and you were doing... What, what's the first thing Johnny says? Well, she was doing it or he was doing it or this person was doing that or whatever. There's all that sort of thing. That's not how it's going to be. <laughs> that's not how it's going to be in front of God. Amen. I'm not going to be able to sit there and say, look, Gary did this. So that, that's, we, everybody gives an account unto himself when it comes to how this all works at the end of this thing. So there's not any comparative analysis that's going to go on between between me and anybody else in this room or anybody else in this room and anybody else in this room. There's there's just you it's a uh, it's a matter of this is the thing that you deal with with God himself. There's different varying opinions about when the judgment seat of Christ occurs. Some people say it's right at your, every individual at their death. Other people say it's when the, Jesus finally comes back that we all get to get judged together on this. I've seen different stories and read different things here, here or there. I'm kind of, I personally kind of hope it happens just when I drop dead so I can get it over with. <laughs> you know, just like everything else. But um, I don't like loose ends, I suppose. But anyways, the um, uh, when we get there and we get to that aspect of this thing, there is definitely going to be an unfolding. There's going to be a time where we're going to get to see how our life has has been handled and how we have done things. And God is going to Reward us based on on those very things, and that's what this aspect of this thing is all about. So, next week we'll start off with the um, marriage supper of the Lamb. How this is all gonna how this is all gonna work, and what these terms and and what have you mean? And uh, um, so, as far as what we've talked about here so far today, does anybody have any questions, comments, concerns about anything? I don't. Uh, I don't suspect there. Are, there would be. It's pretty straight. It's, it's straightforward even though there's a certain level of uh, maybe it's a little bit confound in the way it's presented in the lesson and maybe the way that I teach it or whatever. But you just know this. There's an end coming here. At some point there's an end coming and we're going to get to go see God and, and uh, he's going to give us some crowns of righteousness. He's going to give us some crowns, some rewards that we can cast at our Savior's feet and... Uh, we can just all be happy to be there. You know, it's, it's, it's been really odd studying for this and all the different opinions that people have about things and, and different writings. And the, the YouTube videos are just endless out there. I like, uh, I like Matthew Henry, I like the commentaries that he writes on these things, but boy, I'll tell you what, that guy can write and write and write and write and write. You have gotta really sit there and, and study what he's doing because there's a lot of longevity to it and everything. But the whole thing is just exciting and it's interesting the way that God has orchestrated this whole thing. And to think that he did that before any of us were ever conceived Amen. and he had figured this all out ahead of time. Wow, that's just amazing. So, without further ado, we'll pray and and uh, we'll get on with the rest of the day here. Father, thank you for the time again that you've given us. We thank you for clarity in the presentation here, Lord, and the uh, um, the opportunity that we have to study your word together. And then, Father, I'd ask that you'd be with preacher here this morning as it brings a message and that we would be well received and well prepared for. Uh, Uh, what he's about to preach to us here today, and that more importantly, Lord, that we would be able to apply that to our lives, that we would go out and and, um, allow the world to see Christ through us. Help us to uh, be diligent in that effort. Put someone in our path today, Father, that we would be able to witness to and that we might show the love of Christ to. Thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All righty. Thank you, folks.